Hello and welcome to Mirror Talk. We have moments where we just have to pause. Just pause and take a break and reflect on life. Remember, you are strong, you are enough, you are capable, you are blessed and you are loved. Your moment of greatness starts now. Today's guest is an internationally recognized consultant, speaker, blogger, author, mentor, coach, and a serial entrepreneur with five multi-million dollar business success stories under his belt. All of this before the age of 30. is the founder and CEO of Rapid Growth LLC, dedicated to maximizing return on investment for businesses of all kinds of sizes. How are you doing today, Matthew? I'm doing terrific, mate. Thanks so much for having me on. Thank you so much for, for joining me today on this episode of Mirror Talk Podcast. It's a great honor to, you know, to learn from a certified speaking professional. But before, before we you know, jump into the conversation, um, before we talk about the rapid growth guy, can you tell me about um, you know, the challenges that you faced you know, while growing up you know, professionally and personally? What obstacles did you have to um, overcome or what obstacles did you face? Oh gosh, what obstacles didn't I face? So I grew up in a little remote town in Melbourne, Australia. And, you know, I mean, those people that, that see me now, you might realize, you might see if you're watching the video version of this, that, you know, I'm relatively relaxed getting onto podcasts. I mean, I'm, I'm about 150 podcast episodes in. So I'm a lot more comfortable than I once was. But, you know, when I was in late high school, I mean, I had a reading speed of a sixth grader. I mean, I got diagnosed with this thing called Erlen syndrome when I was 16, which had been misdiagnosed as dyslexia up until then, which basically means that I put on this funny pair of colored lenses and miraculously I can learn to read. I can't read like everyone else, I can start the process of learning. So I mean, I hustled for the last two years of high school, I got into the top 20% of my state, which was great, but I mean, just years of feeling like the slow kid, my horrible acne, my braces, just left me kind of unsure of myself and I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. So my family and all agree that, you know, if I spent, if I went straight into university, there's no way I would have, I would have spun out, I wouldn't have finished. So I took a year off. We all agreed I was going to spend a year finding myself. And, you know, literally three weeks into a job, which was, you know, literally at a residential um, real estate company, which, by the way, I wasn't the guy out selling. I was the guy in the back office doing data entry with a look on my face like, don't speak to me. I'm here to find myself. And literally three weeks into that job, my boss pulls me aside and he's like, Matt, I'm so sorry to tell you this, but uh, we just got out. Uh, we just found out from head office they're closing down this premise. You're out of a job. So here I am, like finally feeling like I've got hold of something, and now I'm out of a job. And I mean, compared to you know Germany, where you're from, or anywhere in the U.S., really, you know, Australia is very different. I mean, it's summer and Christmas at the same time. So everyone goes on holidays on the 20th of December, and they don't come back till the 15th or 20th of January. So no one's hiring. There's no jobs to be got except for these things called commission-only sales jobs. Like for me, that was terrifying. And I'm like, okay. I don't want to go home and tell my father I've got nothing lined up, so I'm going to apply for these three commission-only jobs that are in the paper. Well, I got three interviews. Then I got three jobs, so I started to get pretty confident about maybe somebody sees something in me that I don't. Well, my manager says to me the first day I start, Matt, we just hire everyone. We've got this saying, we throw mud up against the wall and we see what sticks. 
Sounds like a fun saying until you realize that you're the mud. So here I am after five days worth of product training, selling, you know, talking about business to business telecommunications. I then get thrown on this road called Sydney Road, Melbourne, Australia. I mean, I don't even know what to say. I've never been taught how to sell. So I take a deep breath and I go to walk in the first door. And luckily enough, I was, I was politely told to leave. Then I was shortly after that less politely told to leave. Then I was sworn at. But my personal favorite was always somebody that said, why don't you just go and get a real job? Well, that happened door after door. And so I remember I got to my 93rd door and I made my first sale. I made about $70. And I remember walking out and I was just relieved until I had my second realization for the day. I got to do this again tomorrow and the next day and the next. I mean, that just wasn't okay. And I think a lot of people that are probably hearing this will do one of two things. They either decide to just grind it out, hustle it out. And, you know, our, our today's day and age, people love calling themselves a hustler. They're willing to just do the work. And that's great if you've got a great strategy. But for me, that would have meant one day 190 doors, the next day 63. I'd be saying, I'd be relying on lady luck, right? Which is not a great way to earn a living or feel relaxed. But then the other option was just to give up, which is what 18 people in my training group did. So I was like, no, there has to be another way. And I think this is really important for a lot of people. And this has happened to me so many times. Like, gosh, if there wasn't another way, I would never have found these glasses that allowed me to learn to read. If there wasn't another way in this case, I would have had every day feeling horrible, inauthentic, uncomfortable when I was selling. So I actually went, well, what would that way be? Well, I can't exactly pick up a Brian Tracy or a Zig Ziglar book. That would have taken me a year to apply it, let alone, well, read it, let alone apply it. Well, what other options are there? Well, I typed in sales system in YouTube and all these videos came up. And every day I'd spend eight hours out in the field applying what I learned and then eight hours back at home practicing the next step. And I'd do that. Weekends were great. I'd spend 16 hours practicing. Sure, it doesn't sound like fun to anyone that's listening, but truthfully, it went from 93 doors down to 78 doors, down to 46 doors, down to 21, down to 19, down to nine, down to three. I got it to making a sale on average every three doors. And you know, about six weeks in, my manager pulls me aside and he's like, well, firstly, remember, I'm the quiet guy. So I'd hand my paperwork in downstairs. I go upstairs and all the sales reps would talk about how they got that customer and how tough the market's getting. He looks at me puzzled and he's like, Matt, we just got our national sales figures. And it turns out you're the number one salesperson in the company. I mean, this was six weeks. I'd gone from terrified to sell, having no business selling to being the number one in the company. So of course, they said, well, if you can sell, you can manage. I don't have a clue how to manage. So they gave me a team of 20 people, my own mud up against the wall. All of them quit within 24 hours, all of them. So there I am, I'm like, okay, back to YouTube, learned how to manage. Well, what I've learned is, I mean, if you were, if you were to fast forward a period of a year, I'd been promoted seven times because I learned how to manage successfully. Fast forward just shy of a decade, I'd been responsible for five multi-million dollar success stories. And then I moved to the United States, and while I had a pretty good network in Australia that I'd awkwardly fostered as a really uncomfortable introvert, I, I didn't know a soul in the US, so I literally had to start again. So again, I went, how do I create a system, a process that makes me feel comfortable and authentic to network as an introvert? And I mean, fast forward less than 12 months, I was invited to events as one of the most connected people in the city. Now I'm invited to events as one of the biggest influencers in the world. So again, everything that most people tell you about, you know, you've got these deficits, you're just gonna have to live with them. Introversion, you've, got to, you've either got the gift or you don't. What I discovered is none of this is true. The truth is everyone has skills gaps and everyone has advantages. We all have our burdens to bear. Extroverts may not be great at listening uh, and they can learn and, 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 and learn actively how to listen to people. Extroverts, 
though, will go out and get that training. Introverts, the problem is we go, oh no, I can't do that, there's this wall, and because of that, we don't even try. And that's why you know, I've kind of dedicated my life now to helping introverts realize that they're not second-class citizens. Their path to success is just different to that of an extrovert, and when they embrace that and assist them, then they'll realize that they've got these amazing skill sets that really give them the edge in all of these so-called extroverted arenas. Mm. Wow, that, that's awesome. And I'll just jump straight into the, um, your books at, at, at the background already because we're making mention of introverts already. You have this awesome book called The Introvert's Edge, and, uh, which is a book about, you know, um, how, how an introvert can, you know, um, outsell anyone, right? How can an introvert can, uh, an introvert or a shy person like myself, for example, can, you know, make good sales, for example. So can you tell me about it? You've talked about it already, but can you tell me about the inspiration behind writing the book and what came about the idea? So firstly, I mean, I just told you I could barely read and I could barely spell, right? So mm-hmm. me writing a book would, I mean, it's, it's like a horrific uh, thought experiment. I mean, like me writing, by the way, like when I respond to somebody's email, you know, literally I listen to it with text to speech. So I'm listening to a robot voice. Then I write my answer and then I listen to the answer in robot voice to make sure it doesn't sound horrible. And then I'll send it off. Now imagine doing 45,000 words that way. Horrific. So for me, I didn't want to write this book. What happened is when I came to the US, I made this decision that, you know, for me, what I find is there are so many people with, that are amazing service providers that they get stuck in this constant hamster wheel of struggling to find interested people, setting themselves apart while trying to make the sale, all while believing that people only care about one thing, price, right? And the reason for why that is, is because they don't know how to step beyond their functional skill and learn the three things that are going to be allow, able to provide them rapid growth right? Like differentiation, niche marketing, and sales systemization. So I started getting up, and by the way, speaking from stage, a whole nother battle that I had to break through. But when I did, I started to share stories of people that differentiated, niched, and and created a sales system, and how they then created amazing six-figure and seven-figure incomes around, you know, them, their family, and their life, not the other way around, all by learning these three steps. But what I thought is, you know, I talked about differentiation, I talked about niching, and before I talked about sales, I'm like, let's bring myself down a peg, and I put up a photo of me with horrible acne at my sister's wedding, super embarrassing photo, but I just felt like it allowed people to see me as I am now, sorry, as I was, not as I am now, because what happens is people see someone like me, and they, I, I hope you think I'm articulate, I've spent a lot of time practicing that, but when you see someone that's highly articulate, that what happens is we naturally project extroversion upon them. I mean, it doesn't matter that Zig Ziglar, the world's most well-known sales trainer, was, was an introvert. It doesn't matter that Ivan Meisner, the founder of BNI, the world's largest networking group, happens to be an introvert. It doesn't matter that Oprah Winfrey is a, was an introvert. We still think we can't do small talk. It drives me crazy. But the thing is that people project extroversion on anyone that they see as successful. So what I would do is I'd help people see me as an introvert. My, I'd take people through how I got started, and then I would show people how to create sales as a system by, again, talking about a story of this actual guy called Derek Lewis. And what happened is afterwards, all these people would come up to me and they'd say, Matt, the strategies were amazing. But as an introvert myself, I had no idea that I could achieve this level of success as an introvert. I always just thought that I couldn't sell. I couldn't network. That was life for me. And I, I started, again, I didn't want to write the book, so I told everybody I knew that somebody, i.e. not me, should write a book on introverted selling. And everybody that I spoke to said, come on, Matt, no one's going to buy a book on introverted selling. I mean, those people aren't even going to that aisle in the bookstore. Mm-hmm. And I went, well, firstly, I mean, I understand marketing. And if you have a marketplace that has no competition, 
there's going to be people looking for that. So I was like, I don't understand this, but I'm not writing the book. Well, then turns out what happened was I was working with a client of mine, a ghostwriter, that was literally struggled to make any money, 27000 in 2013, 12000 by October of 2014 when he reached out to me. And by giving him, by teaching him how to change his messaging, niche down and create a sales system, literally made $40,000 in two weeks, 60000 sorry, 80000 in six weeks, 120 by the end of the year. And the following year, he made just shy of 300,000. He's like, Matt, you've got to put these strategies in a book. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not writing a book. Well, he's a walking case study and he's a ghostwriter. So we agreed to collaborate on the book. Well, if you fast forward just over a year, we finished the book, it published in 2018. And now now it's sold over 42,000 copies. It's been translated in over 10 languages. And thanks to that success, we've now collaborated on another book called The Introvert's Edge to Networking, which shows people the exact strategies that I used to become a high-level brand in the United States and invited to events and, and you know, connected with people as one of the biggest you know, influencers in the country, in the world, all through the, the tactics and the advice that we teach in the second book, The Introvert's Edge to Networking. So it's been an interesting ride, but it really came about because I saw that the market needed it. I just, for me, I saw that there were so many books out there to help extroverts or, you know, there, there were books written perhaps by introverts, but they didn't have the word introvert on them. So mm. extroverts just went, no, nah, that's not for me. And a lot of the literature out there, not all of it, but a lot of it was like, oh, poor you, you little introvert. Let me show you how to survive. And I'm like, Forget that. Introverts have a natural edge. So I started to focus on books that help people realize that. I think that's really a combination of why the book took off. It was, you know, the fact that there wasn't any really literature there. Second, I think introverts are tired of feeling sorry for themselves. They just want the strategies. And as soon as they realize that they can succeed, they want, they want to, they obviously want to double down on that. But then thirdly, I mean, the book's written more like a novel, right? So you kind of laugh out loud, you enjoy these stories. You just happen to learn sales and networking throughout the process. And, you know, for introverts, learning these these specific skills can be a little bit confrontational so i wanted it to be fun instead so i think it was a combination of all three that really led the books to be successful that's awesome i mean apart from it apart from it being like a story kind of book um it's filled with so much skills so much methods that actually work actually for someone's um um sales journey or for an introvert actually so um, I'll, I'll also ask, what, can you share one of the secrets with me for example um as an introvert what can i do um, or what work can I do myself or what, what can an introvert um, do on his or herself, you know, to find this natural confidence and to be able to be ready for any situation, for example, for businesses um, which involves more people or which involves talking to strangers or, you know, um, all these uncomfortable situations that an introvert can find his or herself. Yeah, you know, that's interesting. So firstly, I think the biggest thing that an introvert needs to realize is they've got to stop trying to be extroverted. I mean, that's a recipe for disaster. So when you go to a networking event, you don't run around going, do you want to buy from me? Do you want to buy from me? What about you? What about you? That's not going to work for us. Secondly, being that aimless networker that doesn't really want to be there and kind of puts everything down and has these shallow conversations with people also isn't going to work for you. But the key to, I mean, going to any networking event is actually things that introverts are great at. I mean, research who, what the events you're gonna to go to, research who's actually going to be there, connect beforehand, and then plan and prepare. So when you walk in, it's not like you're just going in and you don't know any faces. I mean, these days, I mean, with meetup.com and you know all the Facebook groups and LinkedIn groups for all these membership you know monthly meetups, I mean, you can connect with people beforehand. You know, look at who's tagged in photos, who's in all the photos, so who are the regulars, and you know who's constantly going to the groups, connect 
with them on LinkedIn beforehand, say you're thinking about going. So when you go there, you've already got this person that recognizes you. By the way, half the world's introverted, right? So the chances are, if you connect with five or six people, there's gonna be two or three of those that are gonna be introverted. They're gonna see you as a familiar face and wanna come talk to you. So there's a lot of things you can do to be ready when you get to a networking event that simplifies things. But the biggest thing that I see about networking and sales that really help introverts is to realize that it's not really selling and you shouldn't be selling. Your job is to serve. So when you're networking, by the way, you should never even sell in the room because that's a recipe for disaster. Secondly, your ideal clients are not prospects. The goal to getting out of the hamster wheel is finding momentum partners and champions, people that share your work because they believe in it and you do it for them, people that champion your work, endorse it and give it a high level credibility. If you try and sell to those people, wow, you've lost an opportunity. But truthfully, even when you're selling and you're in a sales meeting, your goal is to serve them and provide value because if you provide a product or service that truly helps them, you do them a disjustice by not letting them walk away with a product. So if you're bad at that, then of course, now this comes with a duty of care. If you've got a straight, a great sales system and you don't have a great product or service and you, maybe you're selling somebody else's product or service, stop doing that. There are so many great products and services out there that really do help people. So go and sell one of those because then you are truly serving. Now, if you believe that you're serving and you truly feel your product offers uh, amazing value, then you shouldn't feel uncomfortable about having a conversation with somebody about what you do. However, most people make it all about them. The problem is that that isn't helpful. You have to ask great questions. You have to be interested in them before they should be interested in you. You need to build value. But then when you finally get that opportunity to talk about yourself, let's face it, you go to a networking event or you meet someone, they say, oh, what is it you do? And you say, oh, I'm a business coach. And, oh, I already had coaching before. That didn't really work out for me. And you go, oh, well, I'm different. I've got magic ruby slippers. Now you're trying to shove something down their throat that they didn't ask for. It's super uncomfortable. Or you say, maybe I'm a marketer. Oh, I need marketing. How much do you cost? Now we're talking about price. Again, uncomfortable. What you have to do is you have to separate yourself from everyone else. So actually, you know what? Let me give you an example. I worked with this, uh, this lady out of California and she taught Mandarin to kids and adults, right? She basically taught people from all over the world, but mostly in California. And she charged $50 to $80 an hour for over a decade doing so. The problem she had is there were all these people moving into California willing to charge $30 to $40 an hour for private consultation to start their businesses. Also, thanks to this new global economy that we're all part of, there were people in China offering to do it for $12 an hour on applications like Craigslist. Then there were people, thanks to this Silicon Valley, our friends in Silicon Valley, there's now technology. I'll teach you Mandarin, you teach me English. So now she's competing against free because they're not charging anything on the platforms. So she's like, well, how do I compete in this marketplace? I said, there's no competing. If at the end of the day, it's like for like, it's the, the only person that wins is the person that's willing to do it the cheapest. And that person doesn't really win. I said, so what we need to do is avoid the battle altogether. So I started looking at all the clients she'd worked with, and she'd worked with hundreds over the years, but there were two people, and it was really only two, that were executives being relocated to China, and I realized that she helped them with much more than just Mandarin education. The first thing she helped them understand was the importance of, well, how to build rapport there. Now, I mean, if we're in the Western world, let's face it, you know, at the end of a meeting, if I'm a really bad salesperson, I'm probably gonna say something like, something horrible, like, you know, do you wanna move forward? And you'll say yes, no, or everyone's favorite, let me think about it. But I know if I call you back next week and you still say you wanna think about it, my chances of getting that sale are going down and down. Well, in China, they're gonna to wanna to probably see you three or four times, maybe five or six times before they even discuss business. They're probably gonna to wanna to see you drunk over karaoke once or twice. <laughs> it's just the kind of people they are. But the reason for that 
is that they're not talking about you know, transactional 12 or 24 month deals, they're talking about 50 to 100 year contracts. It's just the kind of people that they are, so they wanna know the character of the person. More than that, she helped them understand the difference between e-commerce in China and the Western world. And thirdly, the importance of respect, like how to handle a business card, why learning the language isn't enough, you have to reduce your accent. And I said, when are you doing so much more for these people than just private language tuition? What are you doing? And she's like, they're just a few things, I'm just trying to help. This is exactly what everyone struggles with. They're stuck in their functional skill. And that's what I told Wendy. I said, as a result of what you're doing for these people, is it fair to assume that these people are gonna be more successful when they get to China? And she's like, well, I mean, yeah, that's the point, right? I said, great. I said, why don't we call you the China success coach instead then? Instead of focusing on Mandarin, let's create what we called the China Success Intensive, which worked out to be a five-week program that worked with the executives of the spouse and any children being relocated to China. Because at the end of the day, it, the executive's gonna be successful, the family's gonna be happy in the country. Well, she's like, this is great, but who do I sell it to? I said, well, who do you think your client is? She said, well, obviously, it's the executive being relocated. Said, well, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I was terrified moving from Australia to the United States. I said, and here, people speak the same language. So I get it, but it's not your ideal client. She's like, well, obviously the company would pay. I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, companies a lot of times have hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars, riding on the executive being successful. I said, it's still not your ideal client though. She's frustrated now. She's like, well, who then? I said, your ideal client is the immigration attorney. She looks at me puzzled and I said, think about it. These people then probably make five to $7,000 for doing all the bureaucracy around getting the person a visa. They've got to get a client, which isn't cheap. They've got to pay their rent, their staff. They'd be lucky to make $3,000 for a visa at the end of that. I said, so just offer them $3,000 for a simple introduction. They love the idea. They're like, what do I got to say? She said, all you got to do is say, congratulations, you've now got your visa. I just want to double check you're as ready as possible to be relocated to China. So they would then ask that, and the you know, executive was overconfident, would say, yeah, I think we're set, we've got our visa now, thank you, we've got our place sorted, we, you know, we've, we, kids are learning the language, we're getting pretty good at it too, I think we're set. And they just respond with, there's a lot more to it than that. I think you need to speak to the China success coach. When you then get on the phone with the easiest sale in the world, I mean, these people were terrified to go, the organization was motivated to pay, and they were recommended by their attorney. She made $30,000 for this, minus the $3,000 commission, she made $27,000 for the easiest sale in the world. But now, she's not networking with executives, she's networking with immigration attorneys, different marketplace. She's not hard selling, she's getting introduced as the only logical choice, it's the easiest sale in the world. So she went from struggling to charge $50 to $80 an hour, to going to having the easiest sale in the world. Now that is rapid growth, but that is the path that I suggest people follow. For an introvert, it feels much more authentic. What she did is she said, what are the things I do, or what I suggested she does, is look at what are the things she does above and beyond her functional skill, which was developing rapport, e-commerce, and respect. What's the higher level benefit of that? China success. That mapped out to where she went, what she did, and how she sold in a much more authentic way. For me, you know, I'm a business coach, I'm a branding expert, I'm a social media strategist, I'm so many things. Truthfully, nobody cares. They don't care how hard it is for those things that it was for me to learn, they don't care how long it took me to learn. But when I say I'm the rapid growth guy, and then I say, niching down, I work exclusively with introverted service providers to help them obtain rapid growth, niching, people start to see me as the only logical choice. Then the sales system doesn't even need to be that bad. Like, it doesn't need to be that good. I don't even really need to be that great at networking because people are, oh my gosh, I want what Wendy has. And that is what transforms everything. So I always suggest the reason why most people are bad at networking, they're bad at sales, is that, I mean, they face it, they can't articulate the value of what they provide in three minutes when someone's politely listening. 
What chance do they have, you know, feeling uncomfortable um, if they can't even articulate that? And then throw on, onto that the COVID environment. Now everyone's trying to do it when they've got microseconds online. No chance in the world. So again, it comes back to strategy. If you know how to articulate your value, if you know how to explain it in a way that makes your ideal clients see you as the only logical choice. Networking and sales becomes a walk in the park. Wow, that's awesome. Articulate yourself, um, articulate your strategy, um, provide services onto people, and also don't um, force your products down the throats of people. Like, don't try to force your um, sales on them, but you know, just try to provide services onto them instead. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And I think the, the biggest thing for most people to understand is if you feel like you've got to hard sell somebody, I understand why that makes you feel uncomfortable. I mean, I've never ever hard sell, and I just, I don't like doing it. Now, sure, I might be really passionate about my product, but eventually you're kind of feeling really uncomfortable. So firstly, you know, the reason why I, I wrote this book, The Introvert's Edge to Sales, is because what I found is a lot of sales systems had bulldog techniques and hard closes, and I just, I don't like that stuff. I wanted sales to be a natural step-by-step process that just leads to a sale in a comfortable way where you kind of have this methodical process so it's less personal, so if somebody says no, it's, it, it, it doesn't offend you, it doesn't affect you emotionally, and you don't take it personally. But also, a natural system so that, I mean, for me, I mean, by the way, you don't need to buy this book. Um, you know, my publisher hates me when I say that, but you don't. You know, if you just go to theintrovertsedge.com, you can download the first chapter, and there, I literally, I firstly, I'll get you over your hurdle um, around believing that you can sell as an introvert. And then I'll map out the full seven-step process. And literally, if you do nothing more than look at what you currently say and try and fit it into those seven steps, you'll realize there's some things you say you really shouldn't be saying because they don't fit. Throw it out. Stop saying it to customers. Then you'll realize there's some things out of order. Fix that. And then fill in the gaps, which will generally be around telling great stories and asking great questions. Because stories, have ama- there's amazing science behind story. Firstly, for those people that are listening that really struggle to develop rapport, there's this study out of Princeton that highlights that when you tell a story, which is why I share the Wendy story or any story on a podcast, because what happens is it actually causes you to create this thing called neurocoupling, which basically means my my brain synchronizes with, with your brain, Toby, but also everybody that's listening. It creates this artificial rapport that I can then foster into real rapport. On top of that, people remember up to 22 times more information when embedded into a story. And thirdly, it short circuits the logical brain and you speak directly to the emotional brain, which is, by the way, the part of the brain that feels a deeper connection and is the part of the brain that makes a decision. So most people think they tell great stories. They say, oh, customer wanted this, so we gave it to them. That's not a story. I'm talking like the story about how you met your wife, how you met your husband, the story that over time you've learned to embellish a little bit and get rid of the boring part, the part, you know, the thing that kind of becomes that little bit of a theatrical masterpiece. I say this, my wife says that, we look at each other, we smile and we say, so that's how we met. That is the type of story that you should be saying in sales. And I bet you it's not there. So once you fill those gaps, you'll easily double your sales in the next 60 days. And as I said, you can get the first chapter at theintrovertsedge.com. But the same thing with networking. Networking, again, is just a process. The heart of the networking process is a great story. But you want to walk in to a networking event and you know give value and be interested with other people. Not people that you've never met before, but people you've connected with earlier. So networking feels like a pre-planned meeting with a bunch of 
people with familiar faces because you've done the homework, you know who's coming and you've connected with them. Then you want to invest in them and you know give them ideas and suggest introductions and just be excited for them if that's all you need to be to the point where they're like, oh my gosh, Toby, I can't believe I haven't even asked you what it is that you do. And then you'll say something like, I'm the rapid growth guy and they'll look at you puzzled like they've just had a brain aneurysm because they can't put you in a bucket like business coach or PR agent and exclude you and say, I'm not interested. So then they'll ask you, what is that? And then you can talk about your passion and mission for helping them and then move into a story of someone just like them in which you helped. Now, if you're at the right networking event, they're going to go, oh my gosh, I need that. I need exactly what Wendy has. They try it on and they're like, oh my gosh, that's exactly what I'm looking for. And then you'll find that they'll say, how can we work together? And then you have to pull back and say, well, hang on a second. I'm not saying uh, this is not the time for that and set up a follow-up meeting. As soon as you try to start the sell at that meeting, I guarantee what will happen is you'll get interrupted and then they'll never ask again. You'll lose that opportunity. So again, networking is a system exactly the same as sales is. And you can download that system, the first chapter, at theintrovertedge.com forward slash networking. Yes, and the link to that um, to the website will be placed in the show notes of this episode so anyone could just click on it and get the first chapter. As in, right in my head right now, I can imagine a listener already asking his or herself, why does Matthew call himself the rapid growth guy? Why? <laughs> What's making the rapid growth guy? Can you answer that listener's question right now? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so, you know, really, the, when I sat down to work out what my unified message was going to be, right? So I say I'm the rapid growth guy because, again, when you look at creating a unified message, like China, Wendy became the China success coach. That's her unified message. It's supposed to define who you are on a spiritual level better than any functional skill could. And in truth, everyone has unique experience, unique upbringings, unique past customers that perfectly qualify them to help a demographic of people. The problem is they don't really think about that. And we live in this world where we define ourselves by a functional skill. You know, I've seen people like a marketing consultant that's trying to get a job and they want to call themselves a marketing consultant. And the problem is, or you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a marketer, I'm trying to get a marketing job. Problem is, that's fine for the low-level jobs, but no one wants to hire someone just like everyone else when you get to the top. So even then, if you know, we looked at, I've got one person that I talk about in my book, Justin, who's a marketing guy struggling to get a job, and he was looking for a high six-figure job, and then we transformed his branding into, we called him the Velocity Architect, and then all of a sudden, employers were like, well, that's different, that's interesting, and funnily enough, he got a job two levels above the one he was applying for, because they went, wow, this person really understands his stuff. Now, for me, if you think about my experience, okay, so I was a, a person that had no business being in sales who then become the number one salesperson in the company. So I've got that door-to-door, hardcore cold call experience. But then I started all of my own really successful businesses. So now I've got all this marketing background. I went and studied for my MBA and you know did the marketing subjects that you're forced to do during that, uh, during that course. And because of that, I have this huge marketing background. So that was all, by the way, mostly offline, right? The offline world. So I went, okay, I now have all this experience in sales and marketing offline. But here's what I learned about corporations. Most corporations have silos. So you have your marketing department that has no idea what the real customers look like. They talk in customer segments. Then you have the salespeople over here that know all the customers, but they don't really understand how to market. They just know they don't like marketers because they're the ones that ruin everything by changing the brochures. So you've got these two groups that don't like each other which is not great for corporations. And I do spend a lot of time talking to corporations to help them bring together those silos. Because if they don't work in unison, gosh, corporations are having a lot of trouble right now communicating with clients because the world's gone online and they're struggling to bring that together in a way that works. So I do spend time doing that. But my passion was helping 
the introverted service provider. And what I realized is that what happens is they hire a marketing coach that doesn't understand people and customers, individual customers, and then they hire a sales coach and both of them are pulling them in two different directions and they get confused on what to do when the advice conflicts. And I mean, sales is a part of marketing, but yet they come from two different schools of thought. And I went, you know what? I can bring those two together. And because I moved to the US and I went, you know what? I don't wanna be that person you know, that has a bricks and mortar business here because if my family gets sick in Australia, I need to go home. So because of that, I needed to create an online business, but I didn't want to be taking photos of my donut for something to say on social media. So I created this automated process to drive people from things like podcast interviews to my website, websites to booking a phone call so people got to speak and then, you know, speak to me and, and then, you know, whatever happens from that point. But also I created ways to drive people from social media, from stage presentations. And what I realized is that my experience now was not just in offline sales and marketing, but online sales and marketing. But I'm one of those people, I mean, let's face it, offline people think online's kind of a joke. I was in that camp for a long while, it's embarrassing to say that, and now, I find that online people are like, why are you still calling customers? How old school? But I mean, most online people are a lot of times too scared to pick up the phone themselves. All of them are right, but bringing all that together is something that I'm uniquely able to do. So because I can bring offline sales, online sales, offline marketing, online marketing, and through my NLP qualification, the psychology of thought, all of that allows me to, per well, it perfectly qualifies me to help an organization obtain rapid growth like no one else in the world can. So can I call myself a sales trainer if I want somebody to look at me like I'm one step above a scam artist? Sure. Mm. Can I call myself a marketer? Well, yeah, but there's thousands of those. But it also doesn't define who I am as a person. By calling myself the rapid growth guy, I feel that almost at a spiritual level defines who I am better than any of these commoditized words. And look, I know we've talked about you know, unified message and why it's important. And yes, my, my books will help you work out how, how to do that. But there's another template that I really recommend that you, that you do. And if you go to matthewpollard.com forward slash growth, I actually outline a, a five-step process that will really take you through how to create your unified message and how to discover your own niche of willing to buy clients. And you know, I did this at the National Freelance Conference before the world went crazy and closed down. And literally 200 people in the room at the end, I said, put your hand up if you now have a message that you feel will excite and inspire and you've identified a niche of willing to buy clients, right? Your version of the China success coach, the rapid growth guy in a niche that of people that would love that message and resonate and, and want to buy from you. Like 97% of the room put their hands up, which sounds great until I tell you the next part. I said, keep your hands up if this is the most time you spent marketing, you know, set, you're doing your marketing or thinking about your marketing since you started your business. Like 85% of the room kept their hands up. So the key is that this template absolutely will work but you have to do it. So what I would suggest, if you're listening to this podcast, share it with a friend or a family member or somebody that you loosely know but is interested in personal development. Somebody ideally, if they're a business owner, if you're a business owner, send it to a business owner. If they're an employee, if you're an employee, send it to another employee so you can do it together. But ask them if they're willing to listen to this podcast. If you're enjoying this show, this episode, or just this show in general, share it with them because maybe they should plug in and listen to it as well. And then you'll have somebody to talk about this podcast with. But then once you've listened to this episode, download the template and spend an hour on them and then let them spend an hour on you. And my bet is you'll walk out with a great message and understanding of your niche. And from that point onwards, you'll start making more money. Yeah, great. That's great. And you've generally talked about, you know, the, the three steps um, that boils down to, you know, the rapid growth. You talked about the differentiation and yet now about the um, the message unification. I think there's, there's one more step that talks about I'm not speaking to everyone. 
Can you, can you just please step to me and how yeah, does that absolutely. come into play? Absolutely. And I think for, for most people, this is the hardest thing, right? You'll notice that I, I said for Wendy, she worked with executives being relocated across to China. That means not everybody else, right? I work with introverted service providers, and that means not everyone else. And for the average person listening that may have a business that's struggling to make any money at all, they're like, no, no, any customer is a good customer. I'm not putting on my website. I only work with this group of people. Well, firstly, most of you will only be getting clients from referrals and repeat business anyway. So because of that, they don't care what's on your website. You don't have to say, sorry, I need to fire you as a client because I'm only working with this group now. Now, truthfully, I have billion-dollar product companies that reach out to me all the time that ask me to speak at their events and provide independent consulting. And some of them, of course, I turn down. Others, it pays really well or it's a really fun project, and of course I'll do it. But that doesn't mean all my outward marketing focuses on those people. So for me, by making the decision to only focus on a small group, because truthfully, if you're speaking to everyone, you are speaking to no one. Unless you've got the budget of Coca-Cola, truthfully, you're never going to break through. For me, when I started, I was the rapid growth guy for just business coaches. Then I grew it out to professional service providers, then service providers. Now, truthfully, any introvert on the planet. But if I had started with any introvert on the planet, no one would have heard me in that crowded marketplace. When I started my last business in education, we just sold to electricians on a trade site, then anyone on a trade site, then we went hairdressers and florists to trade people to, and then we went one step further and said, you know what? Actually, doctors and lawyers are tradespeople, right? They spent five to seven years studying, but no one's taught them how to run a business. That's how we grew to the largest independent broker, sorry, the largest broker um, of educational sales in, for education in the country, right? Three and a half thousand business owners as students within the space of three, three years by saying everyone is not our customer. So the truth is for everyone that, that's listening and they're like, oh my gosh, I'm not making any money at the moment. It sounds weird to say, if you want to start making more, what you need to do is stop selling to everyone. But that's exactly what you need to do. But again, don't pick, just go, oh, Matt Matt said I need to pick a niche. That's a niche. Let's bend myself to that because that's going to feel inauthentic and uncomfortable. You don't just pick a niche for the sake of it. You've got to think, what am I truly passionate about? Who do I really want to serve? Because my biggest belief in this world is that we're all put on this earth to help a demographic of people. And that demographic is what makes us get up in the morning and go, thank goodness that I'm still alive. Now, for me, I love helping introverted service providers because I just love, I mean, these are the people that have got to work with those people every day, right? So if they get a client with a bulldog sales technique, now they've got to actually work with that person. It's horrible. And a lot of these people in today's day and age, they're just trying to create amazing incomes where they don't have to go to their day job, but they can have a great life as well, but where they get to do what they love. So bending yourself to a niche where you don't get to do what you love is horrific. So the thing that I've learned is you truly can create a rapid growth business out of anything, but there is nothing worse than a rapid growth business with customers you don't like and a business you can't stand. Same as there's no, there's nothing worse than a rapid growth career with a job that you can't stand, a boss that you don't like, right? So you have to be strategic in your choice because if you think for a moment that I could be doing these podcast interviews with this much energy without being passionate about what I do, that is an introvert superpower. If you think about unified message niching and sales systemization as a rocket ship, Passion and mission is undoubtedly the fuel. And most people had never spent time to truly think what that is. And I promise everybody that's thinking right now, but I don't know what my passion is. You haven't really thought about it. Most people go, oh, I wonder what my passion is. Oh, my phone's beeping. And they go and figure, they, they go and look at their phone and they lose interest. Spend time truly thinking about it. And my belief is that you will find your way. Now, if you really struggle, chapter two of my book gives you actual steps and you know, a step-by-step process and asks you a ton of questions to help you find your way.
Mm-hmm. Yes. So, so now I'm ready to, you know, break free. I'm ready to take steps. I'm ready to do everything that it requires as an introvert to become successful in business or in life in general. Um, but can you tell me how to overcome the stigma around introversion? What can I do to overcome that stigma, you know, to be able to truly break free out of it? Well, you just have to realize that you're your own worst enemy when it comes to that. I mean, when we talk about this stigma, it's easy to go, oh, my boss doesn't recognize me because he thinks I'm an introvert. And because of that, I'm not getting given opportunities. Well, my boss in my first order or commission only sales role, I would have had no respect from anyone unless I learned the system for success. So stop letting other people define you. The truth is, claim responsibility for your problem. The second is understand that it is not a a wall that you can't go past. It is a skills gap and nothing more. I mean, I have a podcast myself called The Introvert's Edge, where I interview what I call introverted titans. I interview people like Billion, um, the person that founded billion dollar brand Ugg Boots, right? I interview Tom Ziegler about his father, Zig Ziegler, and you know, and, and actually Tom's an introvert himself as well, and he runs Ziegler Inc. now. I interview people like Judy Robinette, one of the most connected people in the world, and she's an introvert as well, right? So you have to stop believing. I mean, Bill Murray, the famous comedian from Groundhog Day, right, the movie that we all love, right? That movie, Bill Murray, he's an introvert, right? You look at people like Leonardo DiCaprio, that amazing actor, Tom Hanks, introverted. Oprah Winfrey, introverted, come on. There is no wall we can't cross. This is something we tell ourselves, and we have to get out of that. So it is a negative mindset. There are apps to help you reprogram your brain. There is a, um, a podcast that I have that will help you make sure that the pain is worth the gain, because you, if you don't know what you're doing it for, then you're not my, maybe willing to push through it. So I would suggest I have another podcast called The Better Business Coach. Episode 17 is called Forget About Goals, Why is the Key to Success? I'd suggest you do that episode before you do the five-step template at matthewpollard.com forward slash growth to make sure you've got that right laser focus. Now, if you're an employer listening to this and you're like, well, how do I help my introverted staff? Well, the truth is you need to bring in specialists that help them realize, give them books, bring in specialists that help them realize that their introversion is not anything more than a skills gap. That is it. And then show them how to fill that skills gap with systems and processes. But the number one step is helping them realize that they're not second-class citizens and that you will not accept subpar results from them just because they're introverted. Now, if you have a HR manager in your organization that's putting those introverts in safe jobs where they don't get recognized that much because, oh, poor Matthew, he's an introvert. Let's make him a, a coder so he doesn't have to talk to anyone. Now, some introverts love that job and they're happy there. And that is great because we need coders and we need, I mean, let's face it, without some people, uh, without some introverts that are willing to do some of those quiet jobs, nothing's going to get done in this world. However, there are other introverts that really want to be salespeople. They just don't think they can. And as a HR manager, as a leader, we have to start recognizing the fact that if they do want that, then they may have skills gaps. They may have belief issues in themselves. And those are all things we can resolve. Just like an extrovert that perhaps isn't the most empathetic, that perhaps isn't listening, we go, well, that's a skills gap. Help them realize that they have a problem and then send them to training in order to achieve that. Now, the difference is that my suggestion is the trainer that you send the introverts to is to another introvert. And the reason being is if you go and send them to a sales trainer that says, oh, it's easy, just do this. Well, it's not easy for an introvert. And what they do is not going to work for an introvert. Now, I am not the only introverted salesperson out there. Surprisingly enough, uh, Jeb Blunt, 
wrote the forward to this book and said, you know what, funnily enough, most sales leaders are actually introverted. Matthew was the first to just own it, right? <laughs> so the truth is there are so many introverted success stories out there. As a matter of fact, the leaders in the networking, the sales, the speaking field, so many of them are introverted. And if you've got someone in your organization that you have pigeonholed as not able to do this, amazing, but not able to lead, not able to sell, not able to network because they're introverted, you have to fix that. Yes, yes. So now on to tap into your, you know, your knowledge of um, experiences. You know, you've worked with Fortune 500 companies and you've done, um, you have a lot of clients that are successful with, you know, multi-million dollar companies. And, you know, a lot of them, as you said earlier, are also introverted. They have people that are introverted employees, introverted um, um, leaders, for example. So can you tell me like some other common traits that these businesses have, successful business owners or um, successful, um, you know, people what kind of you know um, important traits do you think that is common to all of them? You know, I think it's the unwillingness to accept a reality that doesn't mean that they can do something. I think that is truly it. I think that the difference is, and I'm trying to remember who said it. I was um, so I have a, a, a summit that just ran called the Quiet and Influential Summit, and I was interviewing people on it, and I think it was um, Mark Hunter that said. You know, there are people that are successful and there are people that are unsuccessful. And the biggest difference is both of them were scared of doing it. The difference was that one group said, I'm going to do it anyway. And I think that that's one of the things that I see with successful people. Successful people, it's not that they don't experience barriers. As a matter of fact, I've seen most, most successful people I know have had more issues and barriers and things that have happened in their personal lives and, you know, in the past, in their early life than anyone else. The thing that I've found is they're willing to push through it. They're willing to not accept that as their reality. You know, I see people that, you know, and I'm not going to mention names because some of these are really personal stories, but they have had parents that didn't treat them well. They've had bankruptcies that have happened, you know, to their family and to themselves. They've had issues that have happened in their lives but they haven't been defined by it. I think going back to stories, short-circuiting your logical mind and speaking directly to the emotional mind, we have to really be careful about the stories we tell ourselves because we tell ourselves these stories and it's a reason for not acting, right? Oh, I'm an introvert. I'm never going to be good at that stuff. Well, that isn't true, but if we tell ourselves that, right, it's, you know, I think it was um, Henry Ford that said, if you think you can or if you think you can't, you're right. What I've found with the biggest trait for anyone, introvert or extrovert, is when they see that they have a deficit that's in the way of them being successful. Now, in truth, we can't be great at everything, mainly because we can't dedicate our time wholly and solely to learning every skill. Like, I am a terrible skier, and I'm okay with that. Now, I know I can learn from system and process how to ski better, but it's not that important to me. However, if I noticed that I was I, I had a skill set that was in the way of me being able to do what I wanted to help the people that I truly wanted to serve or to live the life I truly wanted to live, I would say, okay, this problem is my fault. Why? Because if I'm at effect of that problem, there's nothing I can do about it. This problem is my fault. And then I would say, if this problem is my fault, how I now have a responsibility for fixing that problem. How can I navigate my way out? I will ask the question, what if there was a way? And then, as soon as they start taking responsibility and say, what if there was a way? It was, oh, what if this was a way? What if this was a way? Now, not every idea is going to be good, but don't smack that creativity. Listen to your unconscious mind serve up these answers and go and explore them. For me, it was, what if sales was a system? Well, what if I could learn it? YouTube. For you, it could be any type of skill. I mean, I can tell you about uh, Nate Boyer, a guy that literally learned to snap a football 
watching YouTube videos. So if he can do that, what excuse? I mean, there's so many things you can learn from online. Everything is a skill set that can be masterable. And what I've defined, what I found is successful people are A, unwilling to hustle unless they have a system, and B, once they have a system, they're willing to work harder than anyone else to get success. What I find is unsuccessful people tend to be willing to hustle until exhaustion because they don't have a system or are unwilling to hustle, period, which means that they fail. Hmm. That, that's, that's great. That's, a, that's, that's very powerful, actually. <laughs> so now, okay, I'm willing to be successful. I'm willing to set down a system. But can you help me? Can you tell me how to plan well for productivity? How can I set my goals? How can I, you know, plan my goals to be productive and to ensure that I achieve what I'm try, trying to get in life? Yeah, absolutely. And I think the biggest thing there is making the right decisions and making the right goals, but not overdoing it. I see people that say, oh, I want to have a million dollars by the end of the year. And I'm like, all right, well, you made $27,000 this year. It's October. So you're saying that and it feels good. And yeah, sure, reach for the stars, but you don't really believe you can achieve it. So what's the point? You have to build up self-efficacy. So what I always suggest is set smaller goals, shorter term goals, knock them out of the park, build that confidence and hit the next one. The other thing is a lot of times people want to, I mean, first thing, we inherit our goals from our mother, our father, our, I don't know, drunk roommate we had in college. We just hear these things like, yes, that's what I want. We spend the rest of the life charging after it. And a lot of times it's not even what we want. That's why we struggle to muster that fire in the belly to go after it, or we hit it and we're miserable when we get there. So one of the things I always tell people, and this is that episode uh, 17 of The Better Business Coach, Forget About Goals, Why Is The Key To Success, is I get people to set three business goals, three personal goals, or three career and three personal goals, one selfish to themselves, because that'll be the one that drives them, and then that's really a means to an end, because a high achiever is really good at writing their goals down. The problem is, when you get to step two, they realize none of those goals are important, which is where I ask you to summarize each one of those goals in 250 words or less, including why it's important to you. Most people get one or two lines in and go, oh my gosh, I don't actually care about that goal. And that changes everything. So as soon as you have goals that you're actually connected with, and as soon as they're all pointing you in the right direction, it's unbelievable what you'll accomplish. I mean, in simple neuro-linguistic programming terms, I mean, we experience over 2 million bits of information every single second. Our brain's a supercomputer, but it only processes about 126. So what we tend to do is delete, distort, and generalize everything we see, feel, hear, and smell based on our beliefs, our past experiences, and a subset of that is our goals. So while I'd like to think of an amazing coach, just getting people laser-focused on what they want, and more importantly, why they want it, allows them to see opportunities that are right there in front of them. And just face it, six goals in six different directions. You can work your entire life putting 21 bits of information in different spaces, going nowhere. Most people have like 40 goals, don't believe they can get to any of them, which is why they never act or work really hard pulling themselves in multiple directions, which is exhausting, stressful, but still doesn't get them to results. Well, that's, that means narrow it down, make short-term goals, and you know, make something that you believe that you can achieve, actually. Absolutely. Oh, that, that's awesome. So from, from your personal life generally, you know, moving from Australia to the United States, um, going through you know, all the experiences and challenges you've gone through in life can you give me like some lessons or some listeners some lessons that they should take home from this episode what are the vital lessons that everyone should should learn from you or should, should learn generally in order to be successful yeah absolutely so firstly as an introvert don't define yourself as an introvert with a disability so many people do that and it's just not true you have a natural edge a natural gift and you need to own that so stop 
letting yourself be victimized or victimizing yourself by saying, I'm an introvert, therefore I can't. That's just not true. Now, that doesn't mean you have to, it just means you've got to stop using it as an excuse. But for those that truly want to achieve success in leadership, networking, sales, or any other so-called extroverted arena, stop using it as an excuse. The second is realize there's a system and a process for everything. If you're in business, you need to learn how to differentiate, niche, and create a sales system. Simple as that. And I've given you enough resources during our um, podcast today to help you start on that journey. If you're a career professional and your boss isn't recognizing you, remember that your boss isn't recognizing you, and that's your fault because there are other people that are getting recognized. Now, sure, that might be because you're an introvert and you haven't learned that system. So again, take responsibility and learn a system for being noticed at work. Yes, take responsibility. Take responsibility of all your actions, <laughs> of, of your challenges and struggles. So um, it's, um, I know you have this great book. You have a wonderful website, which I was, I was going through before we started recording, actually. And um, you have um, a podcast also. But can you tell the listeners out there the best way to get across to you in case we need some coaching and um, coaching advices, for example, or to get some materials from you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I provide a ton of free content. And the reason for that is I learned how to sell on YouTube, right? So I provide a ton of free content on YouTube, on all the different social platforms. Um, you know, you can find videos and, and, and strategies on Instagram, on Twitter, on Pinterest, and, and on LinkedIn. I have to tell you, I think I, um, I've had so many people reach out to me to connect me on LinkedIn. I think they only allow 30,000 connections and we're maxed out. Uh, same with Facebook connections. Unfortunately, I can't accept any more Facebook friends. But we have a Facebook page. I have a you can follow me on LinkedIn. We provide a ton of free content there. Also, we provide, you know, but we provide a ton of free resources on my website. You're welcome to go there. Check out the podcast, The Introvert's Edge and The Better Business Coach. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would suggest the starting point for you is if you're in business and you struggle to get any clients, go to theintrovertsedge.com and learn how to close deals. That'll be the first step for you. If you're in business and you're struggling to get any leads and you're struggling when you go to networking events to articulate the value of what you offer, then you know check out theintrovertsedge.com forward slash networking and download that first chapter or go to matthewpollard.com forward slash growth and download that template to create a unified message and discover your niche. There are plenty of resources that I provide because my belief is you don't need me, you can do it yourself. Now, of course, you're welcome to reach out to me in a thousand different ways. You know, I tried my best to respond to every email when people are interacting once, you know, if they join my mailing list and things like that. But the biggest thing for me is to use these interviews and these sessions to help you realize how amazing you truly are and send you with the right strategies to go out and achieve the success you know you deserve. Yeah, awesome. And does this also include the, the Rapid Growth Academy? You have this Rapid Growth Academy. Um, is, it, is there a school we could enroll to or is it also just um, with the Rapid Growth website? Oh yeah, absolutely. So I, I do have a Rapid Growth Academy, which is literally where I take you step by step. I find a lot of online programs, they, they, they focus on just sales or just networking or just branding. It just leaves you overwhelmed trying to piece it all together. So for me, I teach introverted service providers how to obtain rapid growth. The program is backed by seven and a half hours worth of case studies, which is great. You get to experience their stories, learn from them. And also, you know, you'll see yourself in these people and know it's possible for you. But I also take you through a nine week program where in week one, I help you create create the laser focused goals that you need to achieve to bring you back to passion and mission, get you out of those negative mindsets that, you know, so many 
business owners get in the road way when it comes to rapid growth. So we've got to break you free of those mindset hurdles, then create your unified message, discover your niche, build packaging and pricing that stimulate purchasing behavior. I show you how to tell stories that educate and inspire while embedding you as the only logical choice, and then how to input that into networking, into sales, and in all your online activities to make sure that you can obtain rapid growth in your entire business. You also get a weekly live stream with me where I will literally look at the tasks that you've done throughout the online program and make sure you're on track. Because one of the things for me is I don't wanna just get you through a program, I wanna get you to the outcome. And I find that online systems that have like an online ticket system just don't allow you to do that well. So because of that, I provide an hour and a half of my time every week and you get access to that for life. Now everyone gets the opportunity to trial it out for the first week for a dollar because I want you to go in and look at the level of detail. I go in into the program, the level of support that you get offered through the live stream with me and the online community of like-minded service providers all in that same path. And just, I want you to know it's the right choice for you. So yeah, you can go to matthewpollard.com forward slash RGA to read about the program. There's a great video that articulates the entire program and what's entailed. Um, but you could also go to matthewpollard.com forward slash dollar and access the $1 trial where you'll get access to the goals and the mindset module. You'll be able to really go in and access that material. And then if you choose to continue on, it's, it's a really low cost way to continue on and continue to get access with me. You get the rest of the program. Yes, that's great. So um, just for the listeners, I'm going to place the, the links, all of these links in the show notes so that it's going to be easier for you to copy it or to just to click on it so that you don't have to like type it out or, uh, you know, <laughs> just make life easier. So I just want to say thank you so much, Matthew, for everything I've been able to learn from you today. If I'm to, you know, start to tell you everything I've learned, um, it's going to be a second episode already. <laughs> today, how much I've gotten from you today. Thank you so much. I, I really appreciate this. Yeah, it's, it was amazing. It was my absolute pleasure, mate. Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I am eternally grateful for your time, your love, and contributions. You mean a lot to me. Thank you once again for listening and sharing with your loved ones. Don't forget to subscribe and follow this journey on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and other platforms in the description. Stay blessed.